Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning, church. It is me again, Nathan, one of the pastors here. And yes, Jesus does love you. He died for you. He loves you so much more than you could possibly understand or imagine which is the gift that we we don't deserve, but we know he does it just from his love and his love alone. So hallelujah for that. Hallelujah for Jesus. I'm excited to share this message with you today. It's something that is strong in my heart. It's something I don't take lightly or for granted either. And as I was just praying beforehand, I just got this such, such a sense of just a holy moment. For me, it could be for you, but for me, it's just a holy moment I don't want to take for granted or, or or run into, or rush into, or rush away from. For the last few weeks, God has been taking me on a journey of just recognizing the fear of the Lord. And sometimes it can be neglecting from church, from our own lives, and it's just something for me, I want to just always enter in, whenever I enter in or approach him, or even what we're doing here as a church and as a body, right in this moment. This is a holy moment. The fact that we can read from God's word together, the fact that we can learn from God, from the spirit of God, together that we can enter into his presence together that is a holy moment and it's something that for me in my life I would want to try and cultivate a new new um, pattern of entering into his presence with honor with respect and with just the utmost reverence for him because sometimes the fear of the Lord is actually missing in our lives so for me I'm just going to pray I'm going to pray and I just want to take this time just to honor him I want to take this time to recognize what is actually going on right now, how, what a privilege it is, what an honor it is. It was the fact that he died for us to have this moment right now. And I just want to enter in. I want us to have this posture of our hearts. And for me, this is what I'm just going to do. But I'm just going to pray. And I want us just to recognize what we're really doing right now, what this moment really is not now. Even if it's worship, even if it's prayer, just recognize. Just having a little shift in your thinking, thinking, oh, what is going on right now? We are so unworthy but he has made us worthy that we can approach him by his grace by his love by his death so let's pray together heavenly father you are so so holy you are so so righteous you are perfect in all of your ways And Father, we thank you for the privilege right now to be able to enter into your presence, to be able to enter into your word, to be moved by your spirit. And we say we honor you. We honor you, Father. We honor you. We honor your presence. We honor your death and resurrection. We honor you moving in our lives. And we thank you and we say we love you. We glorify, we magnify you. Great King of the universe, the mountains melt like wax before you. The earth season trembles before you, almighty God, almighty Father. And may you cause me right now, Father, just to remain in that posture forever, not just now, but forever. Every single time I meet with you, would you just continue to mold me to enter in with awestruck wonder? And Father, as we enter into your word and we hear from you, Lord, would the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you? We adore you, we love you, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, the risen Savior. Amen. Amen. Yeah, for me, that was just like a, it feels like a Moses moment. Remove your sandals, Moses. And for me, it's just something that I want to cultivate, and I would encourage you to as well, and just to have that in the forefront of your memory. 
So we're going to be entering into Philippians 3, but before we do that, I just want to check in with you guys and hope you're doing well in lockdown. Please get in contact with us if you need anything. If you want, we want to be there for you, we want to talk, just get hold of us, call the office, we want to be there for you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing us at the end of this, this lockdown season, this, this season just in general. It's been a crazy season for, uh, for the world, and I'm encouraged to see, I'm encouraged to hear from you to hear what God is doing in your life, seeing how he's transforming you, even though sometimes they've been incredibly hard, but we know that God transformed. It's always through fire that people are molded, right? And fire purifies. Fire is just such a great conductor of molding and transformation. And it's so encouraging to hear that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys look like on the other side of this thing, that you just come out, come out shining brighter than ever before. So let's read, shall we? So we're going into Philippians 3. We're going to read, and to give you a bit of context here, Paul, again, is, is, is targeting this thing called religion, okay? And it's one thing he spends a lot of his time undoing and unraveling within the church, the new church that's, that's, that's starting and started. So let's read together from Philippians 1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are actually truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have, see, have, have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. So Paul is addressing this thing called religion, this thing that we call religion because it's putting your, your own efforts above what God has done on the cross. It's putting our own agenda above what God has done on the cross. And like I said, Paul spends so much time unraveling this thing and just debunking the church from this thing called religion. And religion is usually something that causes you to think you have to work for something that's already been given to, to you. It's something that is saying you've got to work for this. Actually, without the revelation, it's already been done for you. Okay, for instance, um, Father, give me authority, and you're pressing in, you're praying for authority, when actually God, Jesus said, all authority is given to me, and I give it to you. You know, okay, Father, I, I'm, I really want to pray that you'll be with me, when actually the Bible says, I am with you, I'm with you always. Are you with me? So it's just these things where, you know, it says, pour out your glory, Father, and the, earth, and the, and the Bible says that the earth is full of his glory. And sometimes religion causes you to work for things that God has already done. So Paul is spending a lot of his time and effort unraveling this church and just pulling them out of this old mindset and into a whole new mindset and here he uses the word circumcision which is can be literal but it can be metaphorical because the circumcision is by your own works is by your own, your own doing when we know that we are saved by grace and grace alone it's not our efforts it's not anything that we've done it's only what he's done so he is trying to pull these philippians out of this place and he says he rejoices he doesn't get tired of telling these people it because he knows the freedom that comes from it he knows the liberty that comes from walking out of religion and just because we as a church may be spirit-filled or more charismatic does not mean we are free from religion so i'd encourage you to ask the holy spirit holy spirit where am i operating under religion where is my where's the tone of my prayers operating out of religion where's my thinking coming out of religion and actually not out of what you've done already for me because we as a church, we're not called to live under a religious system anymore. We're called to operate out of what he's done for us on the cross. Setting us free from sin. Setting us free from condemnation. Knowing that we can enter into the holy of holies with boldness and confidence. Without having to work for it. Are you with me? And it's about us as a church and for myself as well. Holy Spirit, remove religion in my life, my religious thinking. 
and journeying with Paul through these letters. And we know that in, he says in Galatians, he says, it's by faith and belief that you receive these things. It's not by works, but it's by what Jesus has done. It's by faith and belief. Therefore, it comes down to an inner, inward posture from you and from me that only comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is stuff we've talked about in previous weeks, about this inward journey that we are all going on, and we will be, we'll be going on our whole lives until the final day of Christ's return. And it's the process that God loves, and you've heard me speak about this a lot, but it's something that we should continually go after. And I just pray, Father, would you just release us, church, of any religion, in the name of Jesus, that we'd be completely free from religion. And of course... This doesn't mean that we're just completely just, we abuse the grace of God and we can go and live on living life as we would normally, as we just, and he said, oh, it's all covered in grace. It's not like that because that completely eradicates the power of the cross. It takes away the reason for Jesus' death and resurrection because there needed to be an atonement. I mean, it doesn't mean we can neglect righteous living because we are called to be righteous. We are called to live righteously. We are called to be holy as he is holy. So there's the paradox right there that it's only by work, it's only by his work, not our works. But that doesn't mean we can neglect living righteous lives, can having this, this, this purifying of our minds and our hearts, within our hearts and minds. So let's continue reading in um, uh, 3 verse 7. But remember here, this is what he's talking about. He's talk- so remember the context of what we're hearing. He's talking about unraveling religion. He's talking about freeing the Philippians from religious mindset. So let's read together. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now, what is Paul talking about here? He's saying that it's not by works at all, but he's saying it comes from knowing Christ and through faith and faith alone. But these words that he's using here, okay, so he used the words, I want to be one with Christ. I want to know Christ. And he wants to gain Christ. Now, those three words are usually tied up in a thing that we call marriage. And what do I mean by that? The word know, okay, in the Hebrew, Jesus says, this is eternal life that they may know you. That word you know is that word the other. And you would have heard me speak about this a long time ago. And I will always speak about this because this is the forefront of all we're called to do. That word know is the other. And that is the way that Adam knew Eve. is a way a husband knows a wife. So Paul is pressing in for a relationship with God. Okay, he's pressing in with a relationship with Jesus Christ that he knows is available and he knows he can have and he knows that it will change everything because everything else is worthless in regards to relationship and oneness with Jesus Christ. And that right there is a leader I want to follow. I want to follow a leader that is pursuing the person of Jesus Christ. That's the someone I want to read and get to know. I'm like, that's the guy who I want to follow. Paul is setting a path for the people in Philippians and for people like us to pursue relationship and intimacy with Jesus Christ and not just relationship but intimacy because relationship and intimacy are two different things. Intimacy, you have intimacy with closer ones like your family, your wife, your children, whatever it may be, but you can have a relationship with other people and we are called to relationship and we are called to, we are called to intimacy Sorry, and we are called to oneness. Corinthians says, he who is joined to the Lord is one with him. 
Therefore, church, I want to I just say that any mindset that you've got of closeness with God, God's want, God wants to take you deeper. God wants to take you further. God wants to have you closer than you even thought imaginable. And this is what Paul is setting an example for for us right here, right now. And he says later in 3 verse 17, he says, follow my example. Follow my example. Forget the former things. Forget religion. And let's press on to know Christ because that's the key to everything. That's the key to everything, knowing how he moves, knowing how in every way, shape or form. And we can, we know he can. And you know, for us, that's vital within Christianity. I meet so many people that come, come into our path, whatever it may be. Rachel and I met a couple a little while ago and they're Christians, but they're going for a really hard time and they're kind of questioning their faith, they're questioning the nature of God. And I'm just thinking there, sitting there thinking in my head, I said, you just don't know him. You have no idea how much he weeps for your situation. You have no idea how much he wants to bring freedom for the situation. You have no idea how much he loves you and he wants to break through and he wants this more than you want this. And it just comes to a lack of understanding of knowing the nature of God. And especially in times like we're in, especially when there's corruption and evil running rampant on the, on the media, you know, what, what, what is the nature of God in that? Does God just sit quietly in a pew and do nothing about it? No, the Bible says that righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. Therefore, you and I, as imitators of God, have, have to be rising up in a posture and neglecting the apathy, neglecting silence, and just and imitating our Father, imitating Jesus who came to destroy the works of the enemy, and imitating his heart for justice. And hating evil. And that word hate is actually a biblical word. Okay, so you go like this. He says, Oh, you who love the Lord, hate evil. Oh, you who love justice and hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. That's Proverbs 8, Psalm 45, and another one on the Psalms. And we're called to love the Lord and hate evil. And when you hate something, you do something about it. And I'd say for my life, a lot of the time I've gone, I've not liked evil, probably. That's, that's more of a better word. And that's what I've seen majority of the time. But when we're truly imitating God and knowing who he is and knowing his heart behind things, behind situations, behind the corruption in the world, behind sometimes people's behaviours, you know, sometimes we are called to correct one another, right? That's a, that's a biblical way of living. Jesus said it's, it's a way of doing it. We don't just let everything go. That Actually, we speak to one another if a brother sins against us. And for us, I would encourage you, read Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 has just blown my mind recently in this, in this season. Because Isaiah 58 just, just it unpacks the heart and the justice system of God's heart. And so for us as believers, we can't afford to be quiet. As imitators of God, we cannot afford to be silent. We must have a heart of Jesus. We must have the heart that we say, we want to destroy the works of the enemy. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And God is a judge and we know judgment day will come. And church, we need to know him. We need to know this side of thing. We can't just neglect it. And you know what? So much of it, like I said at the beginning, so much of this comes down to just understanding his love for us. We think his, kind of, his love was kind of finalized and done on the cross when actually God is such a pursuer. He is a pursuer of man. He is a fisher of men. He loves to pursue you. And even though you've been a Christian all your life, or you may, have been, you may not even be a Christian right now, God is pursuing you. I don't know anybody that wakes, woke up in the morning and thought, I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. But God pursues through the days those seeds that are planted and eventually they just can't turn around, they can't turn away and they actually give their lives to Jesus. 
because God is Basua. And you've got the father who runs from the porch to the prodigal son and he runs to him. And he says, my son, gives him a ring and a robe. And that's the nature of our father. It's so important that we must identify and know the nature of God in our lives. You know, Rachel and I, we met in Mozambique. Okay, we're, in, we're doing a harvest school, which is a mission school in Mozambique with Iris Ministries. And I saw her and I was like, cool, she's beautiful. And she saw me and she thought, oh, cool, he's beautiful. No, that's, that's not true. That's not true at all. But the point, the point of this is that I, I saw her and I thought she was beautiful. She was quite the opposite. She basically thought I was out having a last hurrah. She thought I had an illness of something like that, which is really, really lovely. Um, but, so she wasn't attracted to me in the slightest. She didn't think anything of me. And she's, and I'm, you know, but for me, I just was like, wow, she's, she's, oh, yeah, that's just, I, was just, I just wanted to be around her. I literally wanted to be around her and I'd pray. I was like, Lord, if there's anything there, I, I really like this girl, Jesus. I really like her. Um, but I was, there was nothing there because, you know, she didn't like me back or and there was no real connection. But the thing is, when you love someone, you, you just go the extra mile. I wanted to be around her constantly. I would, like, lay my coat down or I'd, I'd go to the gate if I knew she was over there. I'd, I'd just do all these things just to be seen, just to be heard, just to be identified by her. I'd, I'd say, oh, yeah, I'm going that way as well. And I really wasn't. I just wanted to be around her. And that's exactly the nature of God with us as human beings. He loves to pursue us. He, lo- he, he loved us first. He first loved us. So whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm telling you, this oneness that Paul is talking about with Christ is, is what God is going after with you in your life today and with me in my life today because he's not just settled for relationship. He wants intimacy with you because you were created for intimacy. And like me in Mozambique, I, I didn't care. I just kept going after her. If she would have said no, I'd have probably left her. I probably would have neglected it, but it obviously worked, didn't it? So we're married five years, so happy days. But that's one thing I just want to encourage you with, that God is going after you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God is going after you, and that's his nature of love. That's his nature of love. And we know that God is... is so, there's so much to God that is just unending. There's so much to him that it just goes on and on and on. And it is actually pretty impossible to know someone who doesn't end because it's a process and a journey. Okay, now what I love about the Bible is that God just reveals more and more and more of his nature as just time goes on. To Abraham, he revealed himself. To Adam and Eve, he revealed himself. But then he comes to Moses, okay? And Moses is a little bit different. He has a burning bush situation. His sandals are removed and God reveals himself. And he says, Moses says, who are you? And God says, I am the Lord. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, why didn't he reveal himself as the great I am first? Because he does reveal himself as the I am that I am. But the reason I believe he revealed himself to Moses as the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac is because he says, I'm a relational God. I want to reveal you. I want to reveal to myself that I am the God that wants to be, to walk with you, to go with you, to be with you. And to connect and commune with you. Okay, and he even says that to Abraham, Isaac, I revealed myself as El Shaddai. But to you, I reveal myself as Yahweh, the great I am. So there's another unraveling of who God is through the prophets of the Old Testament. And we know, if you know the names of God, you've got El Shaddai, you've got Yahweh, you've got yod you've got Adonai, you've got El Elyon, you've got El Gabor, you've got Yahweh Shalom. And these are all aspects of who God's name is and aspects of his nature that he loves to reveal to himself because God is passionate about you knowing him. And he's passionate about you understanding him and knowing his nature. 
And then you get Jesus who comes and reveals the full face of God in his every way, shape or form. His joy, his power, his resurrection power, his love, his sacrifice, his meekness, his kindness, his silence, his wisdom, everything is revealed through Jesus. And we know that God just loves to reveal his nature to humanity. You know, there's a story in Exodus 22, I believe it is. Where are my notes? It's Exodus 20, 22. And the, and the power of the Almighty is, is resting on Mount Sinai. Okay, and the dark cloud is around, and there's thunder, there's lightning, and I love this. And basically, Moses says, don't be afraid, he's just testing you. And I, I love to picture how Moses could walk into the storm. You know, we run, we run from storms, we run from tornadoes, we run from things that are, 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 are fear, that plant fear, right? And naturally, you would be afraid, but because Moses knew who hid within the storm, he could enter in. He could go in there, and he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't afraid because he knew who dwelt within the storm. And that storm came to implant the fear of the Lord, which is what I was talking about, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is what you and I should always go after. And it wants to be found. Read Proverbs 8 if you want to know about wisdom. It wants to be found by you. It wants to be used by you. So church, our our theology of who he is cannot be based on our circumstances, because then you're just going to find a God who's very bipolar, who's got a lot of problems, a lot of emotions, but we must base our faith and base our knowledge of his, who, who he is, of knowing him through the word of God and through relationship and with intimacy and oneness with him, which he wants for you. And I encourage you, if you don't want that, pray that you would want that. From the beginning of time to the ends of time, that's what it's all about and that's what it'll always be about. We've got another verse. Let's read from Jeremiah 9.23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and know me, knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. And God here says, know me and know that this is my nature, that I practice steadfast love. I love justice. I love righteousness. And again, look at the nature of who God reveals himself to Moses when, he, when Moses says, show me your glory. And God reveals those characteristics of who he is to Moses. So he is love. He, he is good and his love endures forever. We cannot base our theology and our knowledge of God's character and nature off of our own circumstances. We have to do it from the word of God and for intimacy and relationship. I have times, you know, I have times where I'm, like, I'm in the flesh, I'm crying out, I'm like, Lord, okay, say a house. Let's say a house, Lord, I really, want, I really want a house, please would you give us a house? And I just don't hear anything back, you don't hear anything back. And I'm just kind of like, just playing out of this flesh, and then praying out of flesh. And then I kind of take a different posture, and I just step in, and I just close my eyes, and I imagine myself just walking with Jesus, and I'm like, Lord, would you just give me, would you bless us with a house, we need a house. And he's like, yes, I'd love you to have a house, I'd love to provide for my children. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's a little bit different. I'm like, well, what if I'm just missing his nature of his character and who he is? What if that, and I'm not, that's just a situation in my life, but what if that's the case? Because we're always praying, praying from the flesh, and Paul says pray in the Spirit on all times, what if we're missing his nature because we haven't developed that relationship of intimacy with him? Are you with me? He's a good father. He loves to provide. He loves to look after you. What if he, he wants things for us more than we want things? There was a time when I was um, 
I was driving through, that's a long story, I'll, I'll try and do this quickly, okay, so I was doing some gardening in Godalming, and I, um, and Rachel was sick, she had gastritis, was sick, she had gastritis at the time, and I was listening to some podcast doing some gardening, this is a few years ago now, and I'm like, I need to get Rachel some flowers, because she's not feeling very well, so let's like, let's go from there, and for whatever reason, my sat-nav wasn't working, my Google Maps wasn't working, so I was like, Holy Spirit, lead me to a florist, let's go. And I, I didn't really know where I was, so I said, just Holy Spirit, lead me to a florist. So I'm, I'm going left when he says left, I'm going right when he says right, and I'm going straight when he says straight, and all this kind of stuff. And long story short is, I go about 20 minutes, 25, 30, and I just get bored. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, there's nothing here. I can't see a florist in the middle of this field, or <laughs> whatever it may be. And then so I just start heading home, and as I'm heading home, I see a florist. Okay, I see a florist on the right-hand side. I'm like, ooh, this, this is a florist. Maybe I'll just go in here. So I go in there, get some flowers, and as I go in there, I see this kind of cloud just hit, hovering over this lady, and it's just like this darkness, it's kind of just, just attached to her, it's not, it's not very pretty. And she's, she's the lady that owns a shop, and I, and I say to her, hey, I'll give her the flowers, and I say, I say to her, um, I say basically, I, I'm a Christian, I believe um, God speaks to me sometimes, and I practice hearing his voice, do you mind if I share with you what I, um, what I felt him revealed to me? And she said, yeah. And one of the things I, 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 as well as seeing what I saw, I felt God say to me to tell her, he said, tell her I love this business more than she loves this business. It was her own business. And I was like, okay, God. So I revealed about the heaviness that I saw she was experiencing. And I said to her, I also feel like God's saying that he loves this florist, this, this shop more than you love it. And he's really going to bless it because he loves it more than you do. And he wants you to thrive in it and succeed. And she's just like shocked. And I, I, she kind of puts her thing, she puts the flowers down that she was putting together. And she was like, whoa. Well, my mum my mom called me this morning and said, um, she was praying for my shop and she said that God really wants it to succeed and really to, to, de- to develop and grow. And I said, yeah, obviously I don't know you. I have no idea any of that happened, but I know that God loves you and he loves this shop and he wants you to succeed and to grow. And then I just, I just prayed for her and, and got the flowers and I just said, yeah, you know, Jesus loves you. God loves you. He loves your shop, all this kind of stuff. And she literally, she gets the flowers. I pay for the money and she skips to the door. She skips to the door and she says, I can't believe it. God loves me. I can't believe it. God loves me. And for me, I'm revealing that is because what if God loves the things that we want more than, he loves the things that we have more than we love them. Because we just don't know who he is. If we truly knew who he was, our hearts would be, our prayers would change, our faith would change, our belief would change, our reading the Bible would change, everything would change. Jesus says this in John 17, this is eternal life that they may know you. And remember that word know is a close connection. And I pray, for, I pray church, that you would find him so deeply that you'd never want to leave, that you'd run to the secret place because he is love. He is love, and who doesn't want to be around love? People are attracted to love. He is, he is power. He is, he is, I mean, if you've experienced the presence of God, you know, you know all the things that he is. And if you truly found him to the extent that he wants to be found, you would never want to leave the secret place. You would never want to leave reading the Bible. You just want to be consumed. And yeah, you've got busy jobs. You've got families. But what if you learn to do both at the same time? What if you learn to be aware of the both of the same things at the same time? If you read, I think it's Practicing the Presence by Brother Lawrence. I'd encourage you to read that book. It's about a kitchen porterer. Okay, and he used to just tell testimonies of how he experienced God as he was just washing up in a kitchen. Experiencing the power of God by Brother Lawrence, I believe it is. So church, let me just encourage you. It's so important that we know him. It's so important that we have this, this connection, this oneness, this, this, this closeness with our maker, with our father. You know, Genesis starts with God breathing into Adam. That's a close connection. 
and God revealing himself, his nature, before the covenants, before the laws, anything. And they, we're made for a connection and a relationship and intimacy. Remember that word intimacy. It's not just relationship. And then you revelation where God is revealing another aspect of himself that's revealed to you, Ezekiel and Isaiah, where you've got the wills within wills, you've got the beasts with the beings, you've got the seven spirits of God, you've got on the, levers, on the seven lampstands, you've got the sea of glass, and you've got the four faces of God, the lion, the ox, the eagle, the man. And this is another aspect of God that we need to discover. We don't want to run before we can walk, but it's as vital that we understand that side of God as well. So church, this is our, this is our cry. This is, this is my cry for my life, that I want to know him. I just want to be told about him. I don't want to just read an autobiography about him. I want to know him personally because we can through the person of Jesus, through the presence of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And you know, so much of it is unpacked. You know, imagine you're praying for someone, but you know, you know the source of who you're praying for loves to heal people. Your faith's going to be on another level. Your faith's going to be on an utter another level. Your belief system, because it's easy to it's easy to trust someone we know. It's easy to believe in someone we know. It's easy to have faith in someone you know. You know, think of the people that you're so close to. How trustworthy are they? How faithful are they? How amazing are they? Because you know them, you're close to them. And church, I, I, I encourage you, go after knowing him and don't stop until you do because he wants to be known by you. He wants to be known, you, known by you. I'm going to end on this. I want to read um, John 15. This is from the Passion Translation. And I'm just going to read this over you guys. And I'm going to, there's a bit in the middle that I'm missing out, I think it looks like here, so I do apologize. It says this, Jesus is speaking. The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I love each of you, this is the next part, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, for I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. And church, when you remain connected and to the source, to the root, it just grows. It's not striving, remember what Paul said, it's not religion. When you just remain connected you know, a, a fruit or a tree doesn't strive to grow, it's just watered. It just remains connected to the vine and it just grows and it blossoms, develops. And then it just blooms and grows. And Jesus is talking about life union here. He's talking about intimacy. He wants to remain close with you. Remember, he is jealous for you. And you've heard all this stuff time and time again, like I'm sure of it. You, those of you who are well-seasoned Christians, but let it just sink from your head to your heart. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would just let this just, just trickle down into your heart. There's a posture that you would just be at peace. You would be still and know that he is God. That you'd be still and know that he is Lord Almighty. And that our circumstances would not create a theology of him that isn't true. But from the word of God and for your relationship and intimacy with him, as, he lets you, as you just let him love you because he loves you with the same love that he loved Jesus. We just let him love you and let everything flow from there. You know, you and I, the, the fundamentals of our life, love God, love people. And when you just remain rooted and connected in love, that's easy. It's easy to love him. It's easy to worship. It's easy just to step in because you're just connect, connected to love. You just stand in the river and let the river flow through you. 
And then you love people because that's just the love that comes from Jesus, the love that comes from God because he loves people. He died for the rest of the world. He died for your community. He died for people around you and he loves them. He loves them more than you love them. And that's something, church, I would love for me to walk greater knowledge and understanding of who he is and for you, that we would truly know him by the power of his spirit. Amen.